Hey, Gabriel Blake. Hey, Gabriel Jose. Where are we today? We are in our respective homes. I why don't we just meet at Best Buy? That's essential. We should just like go, go and record some of the PlayStation games. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. It's like a change of a scenery. Yeah, our our audience, our four people audience, is going to be like just pretty thankful, like that we are getting creative. <laughs> Gabros go to essential business to talk about cinema. <laughs> to talk about essential cinema. Essential cinema. Only essential. Masterpieces. <laughs> so what did we watch today? We watched the 2004 kind of mediocre film called Enduring Love. <laughs> Come on, man. You're like just giving it away. But I appreciate that I know, you're that's like, why I was like, no, should I say so early on? But there's, there's stuff to talk about. It's not all bad. Uh, I don't know. But I think like after that watching a television, you're like, uh... <laughs> yeah, I think that you define it. I think that we should just stop here because it's kind of mediocre. What's what I was going to say to about right. about that? Yeah, this, yeah, this a bit of a yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, so this was your pick. Why? Why did you make us watch this? <laughs> I watched it because I um, our most recent movie was Atonement, and mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the complexity of what I assume is Ian McEwan's storytelling, which obviously he has like complex novels that might not fit well into a film. I remember enjoying this in the early 2000s. You know how I feel about Daniel Craig. He is everything for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't know. So I, didn't. I thought it just might be a change of pace, kind of like a pulpy, but still with some good names that might provide a fun, entertaining experience. Yep. Uh, so as this was your pick, I guess that I have to summarize these. Let's just see. The movie opens with a couple in a very idyllic uh, greenfield that I love. That is like it almost feels like oh, is this like some kind of farm or something? Like, can you just like break into a field? But no, it was like it's a field that people just go and they spend time out there. And maybe it's like the British way to be uh, next to Oxford, I think that they mentioned. And then suddenly a balloon, a giant balloon, just comes out of nowhere, and the key uh, okay. there is. Uh, yeah, yeah, horror balloon, sorry. Uh, and there is a kid on the basket. I think that is called basket, no? Yeah, uh, it's called a gondola, but yes. Oh, gondola, okay. Uh, so uh, there is a kid on the gondola and his grandfather is trying to just prevent the balloon from flying off. We don't know exactly where, maybe it's like because it's not the balloon itself is not properly attached to the gondola and he's afraid that it's going to fall. And the kid in one of the biggest displays of uh, mental challenging is that there is suddenly, like, suddenly out of the blue, there is like four people that they come to help out the balloon from not taking off, and is that the kid doesn't get off of the gondola? He said, no, 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 no. Is that actually that like, you have to just pull the rapture or whatever for letting the balloon like just fly by itself? And he actually just press the gas, <laughs> just takes off, and then the wind comes and they just take it off, and then the guys start dropping from the basket from the gondola. Because the lonely. wind is blowing it out of control. Exactly. Uh, so they fall from a respectful height, but nothing happens. But one of the guys is still like just hanging from the uh, from the rope on the gondola. So and that guy like flies off, and then he actually just falls in probably the most beautiful and the only memorable scene in the whole movie. There is that you can actually just see how the guy like just fall from above to the ground. 
then the movie turns into a psycho thriller where one of the guys, one of the witnesses about what happened has a crush on Danny Craig. And then she starts like just basically harassing him, telling him that we have something special. There was a moment in between us. Why do you deny? And it gets to a point that is basically we can see during the remaining 90 minutes how Daniel Craig just falls apart. The character just falls apart. Yeah, I would say crush isn't the right word. He has like a pretty dangerous obsession with him and yeah. violent boundaries like crazy and is horrifying. Yeah, it's horrifying, but and this no part. I mean, the thing is that there's not too much sales to the movie because I think that it tries to be elevated. I can see that maybe the book is significantly better because most of the uh, characters that they are displayed, they have a love story. And one of the topics from Daniel Craig, that is a, I think that is a philosophy teacher and he's also a writer, is that he actually presents that love is doesn't really exist per se. You know? It's an evolutionary tool, just like art is, because everything is about securing a partner to exactly. find. Yeah, yeah. So it's a bit more of a elevated, lusty desire. <laughs> you know, it's a bit more of built on top of, you know, I want to have sex because of I want to perpetuate the species. So uh, the movie presents like different kind of loves. Is like he was about to propose to her girlfriend. But as this happened at the beginning, is that he never, he never actually just uh, proposed. And then as his life started like just falling apart, there is even like a conversation where he comes up clean. It's like, I was going to be proposing to you. Is are you going to propose now? And there is this awkward silence. Like no, because his his life actually just changed. He was like really affected by this event. But we have like the obsessive love from the other guy. We have like the love that is unconditional of the friends that they have, Bill Nye, is his name? Yep. That is like, they are like just completely low, they have three kids, they can put up with that. It's like, it, it feels like completely perfect, kind of it. Then we have like the love that after the guy dies, we meet the widow and the widow start like just making up stories because of insecurity about that she had an affair, that he had an affair, that the guy that died, he had an affair because they found a bag with a, with a scarf picnic items and a scarf it looked very romantic yeah yeah but then at the end is basically uh the psycho killer guy that gets obsessed with daniel craig ends up spoiler alert but honestly it's a favor uh ends up stabbing <laughs> stabbing the girlfriend you know after trying to convince her that he was having an affair with daniel craig and the girlfriend like basically believing it that is like sure Sure. Let's just leave it there. Uh, and then the girlfriend gets stabbed by him in a very anticlimactic kind of way. I was like, you know, I have a knife. I can just poof, stab her. And then we can just keep talking as nothing happened when she's bleeding on the ground. Do you know that is okay? I understand that you, as a director, you want to record it in a way that it feels pretty detached and that makes it even more disturbing. But you, Michael Haneke, are not. <laughs> So I, and then at the end, basically Daniel Craig stabs the psycho killer, he also dies, and then he reconnects with the widow of the guy that died. And then we discover that actually the scarf was not, didn't belong to a fling or an, an affair that uh, the, the guy that died uh, was having. It was like a student 
and a teacher that they were having their own romance and they were like, I don't know, like 30 years is difference or something. And they were like just grabbing a, a ride with him and they forgot the back there. But there was nothing else to it. They it ran away from being scared that they were going to get caught, but she was sleeping with her professor. And yeah. So everything resolved neatly for the, the widow. Yeah. And it feels like Daniel Craig and the widow are about to just start their own love story. But we don't yeah, they're like just, they're like getting close, you know, but it's like, yeah, it's, you know, like built on, on, over the ashes of a lost love for one of them, you know, and also like an obsession, you know, that they were victim of, like they obsessed with this guy, Daniel Craig also like gets obsessed with him, getting to a point that I hate that scene when he wakes up his girlfriend in the middle of the night, like, look, I, I just realized that it's like, you do this. And the guy is like waiting outside that is like, okay, I'm going to be like rolling my eyes right now. And uh, just for the audience, I want to just let them know. I, I was rolling my eyes about that scene. And then the widow also obsesses about this fictional woman that his husband was having an affair with, her husband was having an affair with. And there's one other, because you called out the fact we see so many different types of uh, loving relationships. That Samantha Morton, who plays oh, love interest, her brother basically leaves his wife for their au pair. So you see like this entire spectrum of like happy relationships to just completely fucked up relationships. Um, and I would say that the only thing you left out that I feel kind of important is that we are forced to sit through many of Daniel Craig's lectures to his, his college students about evolution and love and how it's all fake and, and what does it really mean? And, and I have a theory that that was much more well-conceived in the book. Like there was oh, yeah. a point we were supposed to see him struggling with his own like philosophies and understandings and how this experience, which clearly I think he was in post-traumatic stress because his yeah. life evolves pretty quick how that his ideas of his like academic understanding and his current um state of mind is trying to meld with those two things yeah. i don't think it was done successfully but that's my guess about why we had to listen to daniel craig lecture so much yeah i had the feeling that uh, this is something that if someone have written the script if someone have written the script that it was not the original writer of the book this could have worked better if it was not Ian McEwan. You know, he, I don't... He yeah, he did. Well, I mean, he did. I, at least he's showing here. Let me just check it out. Maybe it's like a... That's a lie. But uh, I just feel like this script was weak. Oh, no, Joe Penhall. Joe Penhall was the one that adapted it. I That it was the guy wow. that actually wrote The Road? Okay. He adapted The Road, which was also... An very good novel. I haven't read Enduring Love, but The Road is one of my favorite books of all time. And Did you watch the movie? Okay. Yes. The adaptation. Okay. <laughs> I had the feeling that this adaptation is that you can see the elements. You know, that is, okay, I need to do the psychothriller part. I need to do like the love kind of comparing different loves kind of perspective. I need to do like the PTSD of the character. And it's like, look, Daniel Craig, I think there is a handsome guy. I don't think there is the most talented British actor out there. I think that is okay. I think he's competent. Yeah, he's competent, you know. He's he's better than Jessica Chastain. <laughs> you know, he's not he's not an action movie bimbo. Let's just leave it there. 
he's a, a step above that. I won't say that he's like he's amazing, but he's like he's he's okay. So uh, I think that this not is not the original story's fault, and it's not the actor's fault. I think that it's a bit of a problem with the director and the screenplay. I agree. The cast is frankly outstanding. Samantha Morton is very good. Daniel Craig is competent. Bill Nye, I think, is incredible. Uh, But he's not central. He's not central. And that brings me... Ben Wishaw had very little screen time, but he was quite good in everything we saw him. I just think it's a script problem. There was a pretty competent director, and this just couldn't come together. With the exception, and we have to call this out because I want to know how you feel about it. That opening scene is so well directed. It's It's poetic. Everything with the glove, you know, it's true that it's a bit gimmicky, let's say, but it's it's poetic, you know, it's a bit more of, okay, I want to do like poetry movement, you know, kind of thing. And it's a pretty yeah, I would say, you know, how that plays. It's like, I think that it's like, at that point is when the guy tries to just do, like, okay, I want to just do, like, a bit more of an RC thing. How it plays out, you know, more like from the perspective of how it's displayed on this large field. Is like, okay, it's, it's fine. It feels almost like a, for me, when I see, like, the four guys, like, flying off on the balloon, it makes me think of a child's book. So, agree, when they fall from, the, when they go up in the air and everyone's having to make a decision and the music changes, that's probably the weakest point. But the tension of yeah. everything happening and the different camera angles and how tightly it's edited, I just, I was blown away. I, I have all blown away by that scene. I mean, I may actually remember this scene, but it's like, honestly, this is a movie that I will forget. Because the problem that I have is similar to Science Sang. There is a kid that starts like one movie and then it turns into another one. That this is a psycho thriller. You know, it's like this guy is obsessed with you. It's like he basically just ends up going for the swallow value, you know, for the more superficial kind of thing. It's like at the end, if I think about this movie, about what I watch, I don't think about like, oh, it was about different loves, it was about humanity. It's like, no, I think that it's about this guy being obsessed with this other guy. So it's interesting because this movie on Rotten Tomatoes does not have a great score. It has 59%, you know my theory, 50 to 60 can sometimes be the most interesting film because they're divisive. Do you think but that this is one of those? No, no. <laughs> um, but I was reading just the little blurbs and they're like, wow, this is really heady stuff, but it's stretched too far. And other ones are like, there's nothing here. Like this is just like an empty, and I don't see how you, there's nothing heady here. I, unless you want to take his freaking lectures, which weren't that interesting. No, what I think is like, if there was something here, it was lost in translation. And this is a bit more of a, okay, I'm going to be like throwing the elements in there. And I'm going to be like hoping that summing the elements, like adding the elements up is better than the parts. And this is not. This is like one of those things that is like, I can see the elements, but it does, this is a popery of things. And so the, the director, Roger Mitchell, who's best known for directing... Notting um, Hill. Notting Hill, Changing Lanes, the, the recent Rachel Weisz film, uh, My Cousin Rachel, which I thought was fine. Interesting to think that Daniel Craig and uh, Rachel Weisz are married. Um, oh, nice. That's a hot couple. That's such a hot couple. Good Lord. Um, I lost my train of thought, but... It, it just 
I can totally see how like 23 year old Blake was like, wow, this is dark and there's something to think about. And Daniel Craig kisses Rafus Ian's at the, however you say his name at the end. This is, yeah. it just, no, it, this is, this is like a, this is a TV I mean, film. It's like a straight to TV movie. That's how they want to say it. It's a TV film. It's like there is, they may have like lofty aspirations, but the end result is a TV film. And not the good kind. <laughs> because honestly, I, I, I couldn't get into it. It was only like one hour and 40 minutes. And the last part, I was feeling like, is this going to end? And I liked this movie as a, my younger self, but as I've, because we've watched it, I've asked a few people, had you heard of this film? This like completely faded into obscurity. Nobody, nobody knows this film anymore. Do you think that people knew it back then, that this was a successful movie? Uh, so I did glance over the New York Times, like, yeah, the number of people who reviewed it, the number of top critics that reviewed it, people were definitely paying attention. Okay. This is also when I was living outside of the U.S., so I don't know how much attention it got. I only saw it on DVD after it came out. Yeah, I'm trying to think. So basically, the director had done Notting Hill in uh, 99, Changing Lanes 2002, The Mother, that I don't know, in 2003, and then Enduring Love in 2004. So I did see The Mother. It's about Daniel Craig. If I'm not wrong, he's a handyman. And yes. it starts fucking like the 75-year-old mother who just moved in with her children. And I thought <laughs> that movie was great. Let's not watch it. I think that I have my good share of Roger Mitchell for right now. <laughs> Honestly, I could say that I'm disappointed. Yeah, it was definitely a letdown, and I liked the movie earlier, so I was just like, there's really nothing here. There's an attempt at smoke and mirrors, and even the attempt is just kind of failed. And like Samantha Morton, she was a terrible partner to Daniel Craig. He was an asshole, but she wasn't really interested in any but herself. And she would like get annoyed when he was trying to talk to her about like very traumatic things that happened to him. Well, but to be completely fair, is that the way that Daniel Craig was presenting it, it was not about like, hey, I want to hear your opinion about this. I want to talk with you. It's like, I want to talk at you. That, you know, like some relationships can kind of really into that, into just being like, hey, I don't need you to be my support. I just need you to be my emotional sink. But that is because that is me. Like, I get I it. Hear that. But when oh. I come home, like with my husband, who's a psychologist and tries to give me solutions, like, of course I can think of these common sense things. I just need to tell you all the shitty things that happen. True. You don't like but just imagine, no, I mean, I don't like it from the perspective of if it's, if it becomes an or, you know, that for example, with my ex, this used to be a thing. That is like, we got to a point that basically every single day we would spend like two hours to just listening to him about like just complaining about like really, really mundane things. And it's like, once it's fine, twice it's okay. You know, but the one is every single day that everyone is useless around you and you are like angry absolutely at everything. It's like, why are not you like a bit more thankful about everything that is good? That you have like a good job right now, that you have like a supposedly decent boyfriend at least it's a bit more is like they can be you know they can be like pretty draining for the other person it can be a bit more is like okay 
when you are like just giving that negativity to me, when you are sharing it with me, it also like just brings me down. Agreed, 100%. But there's a difference, I think, in uh, between emotional vampires and mm-hmm. him needing to just get out this traumatic, these traumatic emotions. But that brings me to a point that they didn't tell us anything about their relationship. We, I, we started yeah, like yeah. this like very traumatic event. We get everybody's upset, but is this normal how he's acting? We don't. We know nothing. Two notes. Two notes. First, is that you're saying that okay, she's not supporting. He's being a bitch. So, how did you feel about the scene when Daniel Craig wakes her up in the middle of the night? Uh, so, the, at that point, the film jumped the shark, and we were supposed to believe that that the stalker was the same sort of stalker that thought the queen was communicating to him with the open and closed windows. And like, it it was just such a stretch. Yeah. But then I also felt like this guy is being stalked. Daniel Craig clearly knows he's dangerous and ultimately tries to kill Samantha Morton. And she can't show any concern that this guy is sitting outside of their house in the middle of the night in the rain because he's gonna come and try and murder them. But the thing is, like, if you are so concerned about the person, why don't you call the police? This guy actually showed in your class, in your lectures, is that he showed up in there, that he doesn't belong there. Is that like you have to set up an order, you know, sort of like a restricting order? Restricting order, yeah. Uh, so is that, that's the part is like, I don't get it because those things also exist in Europe. It's not like an American thing. It's, so from my perspective, like, <laughs> it almost feels like, is he enjoying it? Like secretly enjoying it and wanted it? You know, like wanting that kind of attention? You know, now that you say it, it's very weird he didn't get police involvement. Very weird. Now, it's also pretty weird that the police gave you the number of another witness. That is, oh, you know, I called the police and I asked them, and is that they gave me your phone number and your address. Yeah, I was like, that's not... No, that's that's never going to happen. Or to the, or to the widow. It's like, you're never going to be like giving that kind of information. That's like just common sense. Now and 20 years ago. And then... Um, Sorry, the other thing is like when you were mentioning about like what do we know of their lives, I spent like half of the half of the movie like just thinking about it. okay, there's going to be some kind of flashback, and we're going to be like just building these characters like properly. But no, it's like basically they don't exist. They don't exist until they sit down on that uh, field. And the only thing that sorry that we know at a later time is that he was about to propose, and that he really wanted kids. That she wanted kids? Yeah. Yeah, she wanted kids. But is that that's the only thing that we know about him. So I feel like, or the screenplay is bad, or the book is bad. And I feel like, at least after watching uh, Atonement, I trust the writer a bit. Yeah, those are the sorts of things that I think got lost in translation. I think, like, Bill Nye's character seemed to be, I wanted to know more about him. And we just never got that. I wanted to understand Samantha Morgan and Daniel Craig's relationship. We never got that. I, yeah. It would have been even great if we got a little bit of a background on the stalker guy because it would make him more interesting as a person instead of this guy who's just nope. insane. Yeah, I mean, basically, you have the same insight on this guy with the psycho killer on, uh, on Sunshine. Yeah, he went crazy. Yeah. We don't know why, but he went crazy. <laughs> And then when he goes, Daniel Craig goes to his apartment, which is just so cliched. It's like super run down and you go in and he's made the classic obsessive killer wall of like 
pictures of Daniel Craig and circles and articles about him and yeah. he's basically friends with his eyes crossed out. It's basically it's basically that. He's like I actually read a book about like how to stock 101 or stocking for dummies and it's like they told me that I have to do like this wall of shame about like with this kind of yeah, that part I felt like they were like rolling my eyes. All that part is like this is like a, a thriller for TV. A mediocre thriller for TV. Yeah, I definitely think I'm trying to think of the exact moment where it stops being worth any of the time. Probably that that dinner scene where Daniel Craig just explains that love doesn't exist and he tells I was gonna propose. Like I think at that point it's like, no, there's no point in watching the rest of this except for that kiss. <laughs> but then funny I mean it's funny cause because then Craig I think that okay, he's a cancel guy. He's not my type, you know that. You know? Yes. So, uh, and then uh, the other guy, he was this scrummy, weird guy that is there from the first time that he's on the screen about like, let's pray, let's pray in front of this guy that is uh, just broken in half. He's like, I, yeah, you're just disgusting. <laughs> and it's not about like your character, it's also like you, you. I mean, it's like, no. So I. That tiny thing, knowing that he wanted to pray in this moment, it kind of makes him a little bit more interesting. But of course, but they never. That's the thing. That. There is nothing else. Is that like, why was it so important for them to actually to pray together? I was expecting that the movie, when he actually shows up, I was debating: is that like, does he have a crush on him, or is it a bit more of a cold thing? And he's going to try to appeal, and the movie is going to be about like love for God, you know about like a higher entity and trying to have like meaning. Nope, nope, the movie is a psycho thriller. Which is also interesting because he's obsessed with like biology being super crass and all about having sex. And then to have that, that would have been more interesting to have that in there. And it yeah, just the contrast, but no, maybe the book does it, but is it this, this has been, is it, okay, the book I trust that is going to be better. I trust it. You know. Now I want to read it. Let's choose that next. We're going to watch it. <laughs> Reading a book. We're going to watch the book. <laughs> uh, but as you were saying, I appreciate that you actually use the smoke and mirrors part. It's like, I think that's the reason why I think is that the directing was not that stellar. Because I think that with a more solid directing, this could have worked at least at the entertaining level as an awesome scandal. And it didn't. This was not, for me, at least it was not That's an enjoyable, fair. it was not an enjoyable movie to watch. And you mentioned that you were... I was high while I was watching high. it. <laughs> and it's like, that the thing that, so well for you. <laughs> I mean, it didn't work well because at the beginning I was expecting, I was having like such a high expectation because the movie, the, the best part of the movie is like the first 10 minutes. Yeah. When they're like seeing this scene and they are sort of narrating it to Bill Nye and, her, and his wife. Is like, I think that that's the best of the movie by far, and then the movie like deflates completely. So it's like for me, it was like just even hard to keep like just paying attention to it. I'm like, I just want to be done with this. That's fair. Every time there was a Daniel Craig lecture, I was like, oh, okay, let's check my phone. Yep, there I was okay, ready. What else do you have? Because this movie doesn't have anything for me. <laughs> so you already said that you find this for. So you won't remember it in six months. I will because I've remembered this film since I saw it 15 years ago. Did you remember everything? Everything that happened between like the balloon and the kiss? 
the balloon for sure. I didn't remember like the brother leaving his wife for the au pair or like some of those smaller things. I remember yeah. the case absolutely. I remember him stabbing Samantha Morton. I don't remember being her being such an unlikable character for me. Um, how did you feel? Sorry, how did you feel that I forgot to ask about the idea of I love you, so I'm never going to be drawing your face. Um, I like I kind of understood it. Like it, she said, that's too personal to try and make her partner's face could be intimidating. It could be off-putting. Um, but I think it was just in there to show that there are like intimacy issues between the two of them. But it didn't rub me the wrong way. Oh, okay. for me, it rubbed me like. It, sorry, it rubbed me on the artsy way. About like, just trying to be deeper than you can actually be with this material. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's it it like something that they were not able to pull off. Yeah. So I think that, that kind of situations, when they fall in between like the artsy and the crass, is like it's just stupid. And for me, the that scene was stupid. It was like an eye roll. I'm like, why is he getting angry? Because actually, Daniel Craig gets angry at that point. I'm like, so you're drawing him and you're not drawing me? And she's like, yeah. trying to explain. And, I, like, mm, no. and again, I am sure that is something that was thoroughly explored in the book. <laughs> True, but we're talking about the movie. So yeah. let's just say that. Uh, so, would you watch this movie again? Oh, like if I went to a party and they're like, hey, we're going to watch Enduring Love, I'd be like, all right. I don't think I will ever sit down with my husband and be like, why don't we watch Enduring Love? I think that in those not cases... Like I, would never watch it again. I think that in those cases, it's like, okay, having a smoking idea or whatever is at the time, but the point is that, okay, I'm going to watch it, but I'm going to be like a smoking from time to time, <laughs> you know? So it's like, when that is seen, she's like, I could never draw your face. I could be like just going out to smoke. It's like, I, yeah, we're good. We're good for here. It's not offensively bad, but it's like, if okay. you just even wanted to watch a mediocre entertaining film, I wouldn't pick this. Yeah, I agree. Uh, would you recommend it? Well, I feel like I kind of recommended it to you. <laughs> no, forcing me to watch it is different than recommending it. No, I I don't think I ever see myself being like, oh my god, did you see the 2004 masterpiece in Dream Love? <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Because I appreciate that you explicitly made the effort for not saying masterpiece on this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could never recommend this. And this actually just take, take us to the next question that is like, would you remember it? That we already answered it, but it's like, I'm not going to remember it. It's like, I cannot recommend a movie that I don't remember. If someone tells me that, did you watch this movie? My first reaction would be like, no. Even the balloon, even the balloon, even the balloon is on the, uh, on the cover of the movie. I would say like, no, I didn't watch it. I mean, I even remember the details about the shitty montage where he's like surfing the internet from 1999 oh, and finding <laughs> stories. And I was like, you didn't, this doesn't even look like the internet. Like, GeoCities look better than that. <laughs> yeah. How did you feel about like all the scenes where Daniel Craig is seeing stuff that reminds me of the globe? Of the balloon? Um, so the first time when he and his wife go to the art exhibit and there's a tree and there's a yeah. bunch of red fruit, I think they were pomegranates. Yeah. I actually was like, that is nice, a nice nod to the horrible blood scene. 
And yep. then every time after that, I was like, well, okay, like, we get it. He, yeah. He's traumatized yeah. by this. Yeah, it, they took it too far, you know, they were like just trying to do like something subtle. He's like, no, no, you can't. You just can't. I mean, that's the reason why I think is like, it's not only the screenplay, I think that it's also the directing that is like pretty heavy handed in some of these scenes and it doesn't help. I am so curious to hear your score. Oh yeah, don't worry. Don't open this present. <laughs> I already wrote it down. Uh, or I say, will you remember it? Is there anything artistic about it? I would say yes. I know you seem to disagree, but that first scene is so artfully directed. Um, I, I just love it. And then, did you pay attention? No, I'm not saying this is good, but there was often scenes, like close-ups of people, shot from above to the side. Yeah. yeah, they try, yeah. I mean, I think, from my perspective, I don't know if he's the director or the director of photography, I think that it's a bit of by the manual kind of movie. And this is what's edgy right now. We're gonna make it hard to you. Okay, yeah. yeah I, I don't get anything from this. Yeah, yeah, I mean, from my perspective, that, okay, so there is this a scene after the accident that Daniel Craig is sleeping on the bed and the camera is above and he's like rotating and everything. He's like, look, it's like someone just read like a lot of analysis of Miss and Song and it's like you're just applying like the, the common stuff. You know, it's like, let's play like as safe as we can about like just creating discomfort. And there's a lot of meals that take place around tables and they're always shooting from above, looking down, and I don't. What? At the beginning, at the beginning, I thought the first couple of scenes that I saw like that is that oh, actually there is a theme that the theme is like the crank kid like just looking at the guy that is about to die from above because the scene when they're like shooting how the guy falls from the balloon, it actually is from above, and then they have like some shots from below too, you know. But it's like it's a bit more of the kind of trauma. But it's like that would work if that would be for the kid, you know. If the movie was about the kid. Yeah, yeah. I but see. it's not. And it's, like, it's a bit more, it's like, look, you like this resource that you use at the beginning and you try to make it a theme, but it doesn't work. It doesn't just, it doesn't just sell any kind of idea because the only person that saw this from above, it was the kid. And the kid is not involved in the movie whatsoever. No, no. And he didn't even see the fall because she was huddling in the corner of the gondola. Yeah, it frees me so much. I say, come on, yes, do you want to come out? He said, no, I don't, I want to die. But I honestly, I think that artistic, I can see like the first part, you know, with the balloon, that is artistic, but it's, it's not enough for just lifting this movie or elevating it or just making it memorable. It's just... The director of photography, he does like Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit, Lock, Thor. So I don't think he was making any lofty, ambitious choices. I don't know. Murder but, on the Orient Express. But the thing is that, you know, photography can be like just functional, you know? Yeah. And I think that this movie tries to be a bit more than functional and it fails. And it makes it like more obvious how it fails, <laughs> you know? Like, this is like an intellectual film that's making us think differently about ourselves and the world around us. <laughs> I, look, I honestly, I just feel like every single time that they were using these uh, like from above shots, I just faced it. This is not working. Just please just stop. Is that you're hurting yourself more than you're hurting the audience right now, you know? So if there is something artistic, I would say at the beginning, I could buy into it, but it, as we say, it starts 
good, and he just goes into shit. Into well, the shit know, that's my type. That's my type of film. Just started off good, and I love it. <laughs> well, but the, the thing is, like, you like that they go good, and they actually the characters go to the shit hole. But it's actually well shot in between. This is not like well shot. The story is not was well driven. It's, it's yeah. Uh, do you think that this is a timeless piece? Uh, in terms of like, yeah, I feel like we watched it what 16, 17 years after it was shot, and it feels. I don't know. To me, like a timeless piece means that it has a message that's timeless. This didn't have a message, but does it feel like it, it's outdated? No, I guess. I, it, that message applies as well as I'm sure it did 16 years ago. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to actually have like a channel, you know, that I could actually grab my phone and call 16 years ago, Blake. And I asked them, you know, after watching this movie, about like, okay, what do you like about this movie? I want to just dive into your sick. I want to get to know you a bit better. Oh, like, right. what is this oh, so this amazing? Is so oh, this this movie is a masterpiece, Jose, from the future. You need to watch it now. <laughs> I don't know you, man, but it's a, this is a, yeah, I, I couldn't live without watching this. Uh, I, Timeless, I think... I think that you, I agree with you from the perspective that is that there has to be some kind of message that applies across time. There is no message here. There is supposed to be some kind of entertainment. Yeah, there is. And that didn't that last a test of time if it ever did. <laughs> yes, I don't think that is good entertainment, honestly. Uh, so the last one that I we have I have one question, though. Have you, seen, have you seen anything else by the other director? I don't know if you've seen Notting Hill, but would you yeah. be interested in seeing any of his other like artsy films? No. Okay. That's no. <laughs> so you won't watch Mother with me. <laughs> no, I, I mean just really you were on the list, but as I right now, I'm like, look, if I think about Notting Hill, I remember it's like, yeah, it was cute. Wasn't it like uh, Julia Roberts that he was an actress that goes to a to a to a London and she's like just hiding from the press in Hugh Hugh Grant? Was it Hugh Grant was the guy? Isn't Hugh Grant the celebrity and he falls in love with playing Julia Roberts? No, I think that Julia Roberts goes into the house of Hugh Grant that he shares an apartment in Notting Hill. And it's at the house with the blue or the red door. That is like, oh, it's so iconic. It's a, it's, it's a blue or a red door. It's not that iconic, that's true, whatever. Yeah, I remember like watching it. It's like, yeah, it's a cute rom-com. But after watching this, it's like, I don't think that this is a good director. But he's done other films that were meant to be elevated beyond the rom-com, and I totally respect your answer, but I was curious if you saw just enough there to want to give him another chance. I mean, with my two data points that I have, that is this and Notting Hill, I don't know what to expect of him, because this is true that it's not a rom-com. But That's did you true. see like My Cousin Rachel with Rachel Weisz in 2017? No, I thought I that was a pretty good movie. All right. Not good, but it's like, I will be down to watch another one by him, but if you ask me, about, oh, we could watch this, probably we will like just checking, and I will like just calling you out. Is that like, you want me to watch another movie by the guy that directed <laughs> yeah, this thing? He did direct in um, a universally loved movie called The Weeknd. Oh, yeah, so he does have talent. 
I feel like the rom-coms are for the pool he wants to put in the back of his house. Wasn't the weekend the one that of these uh, middle-aged couple, one middle-aged like senior couple, that they go to Paris for spending a weekend and trying to reignite their love? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it's supposed to be very good. Lots of four-star reviews. Yeah, I see the I see the cover, I see the poster, but it's like it's once again it almost feels like a straight to TV guy on TV. I remember watching the trailer on almost every movie at the Opera Plaza. <laughs> well, all right, well, fair enough. I won't ask you to watch any, any more of his movies. No, no, no. I mean, we can watch it, but like, just give me a break from him because honestly, right now I'm pissed about him. <laughs> we'll read Enduring Love, and then next week we can watch the weekend. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so the last question that we had is that: Would you turn this into a TV show? Um. Yeah. I mean, I think this makes a better TV show, and it would give them time to develop the characters. If it's at least a miniseries, like give us eight episodes and spend some time explaining who the fuck these people are. <laughs> I surely, I surely agree. You have like a good point. That is a. There was never a desire from the screenplay perspective of developing some of the characters. So maybe if they had a bit more time, maybe they would have the desire of developing that. But I think it could work. It could, it could, you know. And now I had to say, I almost forgot about like mentioning this when he shows up at his uh, college or whatever, the guy, and he starts singing some songs. I don't know if he actually sees the Beach Boys. Uh, it's the uh, God only knows. Oh, is it Tarotus? Yeah, God, God only knows. God only knows is the, the Beach Boys. No, they're not the Beach Boys, they are... Uh, oh, crap. This is so far before both of our times. It is the Beach Boys. I it's the Beach Boys, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of Imagine You and Me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's adaptation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I hate that actually Google now when I have to complete something. It's not about like who created it, it's about like who is making it popular now. So there is like a new band that is King and Country for King and Country, and they made a version of this. As they saw, it's no longer about the Beach Boys made this song. It's about like these guys are making it popular now. I mean, it's just like Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, so we scored this kind of mediocre movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, let's do it. I I picked it, so you first? Yeah, me first. So I had a score pick up before we started. It went down the more that we talk about it, because I think that I felt like more and more peace about it, about like just having spent 100 minutes of my life with this, albeit read it, had my attention for a bit. On it, let's just be completely fair. <laughs> uh, but my score is a four. Yeah, I was going to be less than a mediocre movie. Yes, yes, because I actually felt like this is less than the sum of its parts. It's like if I was actually going to recommend a mediocre psycho thriller, I would recommend Sunshine before this. Oh, <laughs> <gasps> you really would? I would. Wow. I would. I mean, because the thing is that there is no reason for not having any kind of background or anything. Is that the problem that I have here is like all the efforts that you have about displaying different kind of love or displaying like a psychodrama 
all of them fail. All of them they feel incomplete because you try to do a popular of different things and none of them actually succeed at it. What, so what was your original score? My original score was a 5.5. But you convince me that it's like, it's below mediocre. It's like, for me, it's mediocre, it's below mediocre. It's even worse, actually, not checking the score. It's even worse than the Juniper tree. Because it doesn't have the orc. It doesn't even have a saving grace. <laughs> so I, yeah, I totally, totally see all of your arguments are fine. I think this is slightly above mediocre for the cast, some of the performances, that opening scene, there's something here that elevates it for me to above, like, let's be cops. <laughs> we never finished watching let's be cops, to be completely fair. We didn't, that's true. We can't score let's be cops. Yeah, maybe, maybe because some kind of art, sort of like art house movie in the second half. Probably not, but... <laughs> All right, so uh, that was my pick. Not no, but it was not your score. You didn't say what was your score. Oh, sorry, 5.5. I did say oh, it. Okay. It's 5.5 because it's just above mediocre. All right. Oh, that, that was going to be my original score, but you actually convinced me after talking about it that it has to be lower. <laughs> I feel like more <laughs> and more infuriated about it. The but scene with... you gave a 4-2. The what? What is, um, what is another film that you gave a four to? Marie Antoinette. You're a son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but it, you I have to admit that Marie Antoinette was better than this movie. Come actually, on. actually, in checking the score and the guest, it was a three for me. Uh, come on, yeah, that's true. Enduring love is better than the guest. I felt more, <laughs> I mean, you know that I have like a love for mediocre, so not for mediocre, for terrible cinema. And I think that I was more entertained by the guest than by this. That is also true. <laughs> um... But yeah, as we are, as we are sort of just trying to quantify, quantifying a, you know, like very weird way, uh, like quality of the cinema that we're watching, I don't think that this was good. I don't think that this was even mediocre. I think that it was like just below mediocre, honestly. At the beginning, I was thinking about like, yeah, this is mediocre, but when you actually highlighted like some of the problems that this movie has, and we dive deeper into them, I felt like this, I shouldn't be giving a pass to this. You also gave The Rover a four. Screw you, that's a good movie. And, uh, and Blow Up. <laughs> <laughs> Are you telling me something about Blow Up? No, Blow Up, blow up is as bad as this movie. <laughs> but Blow Up, I mean, the thing... Actually, yeah, I think that both of them, they fail in the same way. That is, a, you could have done something more elevated, but it doesn't come across. And Blow Up you also has... experience that before. But is it that you are gentle? Oh, that's right. I was about to... We were going to be... To Blow Up. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Uh, and you give it a 3.5. <laughs> yeah, that was awful. That was awful. <laughs> okay, man. Uh, anything else that we should say about Enduring Love? Uh, no, just just avoid this. Just don't yeah. go see this. There's no yeah. reason. Yeah, Unless you, you want Daniel Craig kiss a dude with his tongue. Are you telling me that this is the only movie that Daniel Craig kiss another guy? Didn't he kiss Javier Bardem in the James Bond movie? Oh, Skyfall? I oh. think he did. Oh, 
I would pay for watching this. I actually pay for going to the cinema to watch Skyfall. Well, I, I'll watch any James Bond film I would watch no matter what, so. You would? Yeah, I, I loved, of course I was a teenager, but I loved the Guy Pierce, not Guy Pierce, uh, Pierce, uh, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. I loved those. Even when Madonna and Terry Hatcher were the Bond girls, I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, I like I like that it's a bit more of an entity of its own, you know, it's a pop reference. James Bond is a pop reference, so it's like you can roll with whatever you want, it's just try to make it a bit classy. Um, this is entertaining cinema, you know, it doesn't it's, try to be elevated. It's acceptable, it's acceptable yeah. entertainment. Yeah, and I think that Skyfall, and this like just digressing quite a bit, but I think that Skyfall had an amazing photography. I don't think I remember it, but I certainly remember the theme song. Oh yeah, it was Adele. Uh huh. Yeah. Skyfall. Yeah. Uh, so for next week, as it's my pick, I wanted to go with something that I watched a long time ago, and it felt elevated. You know, I was wondering about like. You know, the, the term elevated came like a couple of times when I was watching this movie. I was like, is this elevated or is this just garbage in disguise? You know, garbage. Garbage. It, it, it's the thing that like, if you try to do like something elevated. You, if you fall short, it can be like really disappointing. So I'm like really curious about it because I felt torn every single time that I watched this movie about like, is this elevated or is it? Does it fall short? And the director has a fame for this. So it's a Spanish movie, it's called Sex and Lucia. It was for the longest time on Netflix. Uh, and it's the con quote unquote continuation to one of my favorite movies ever. That is the lover of the polar circle, Arctic circle, I think, that we watched together like many, many years ago. Yeah. The 2001 masterpiece, Sex and Lucia. Oh, okay. You check it out already. That's cool. Right. <laughs> I've never seen it. So Jose has seen this one. He likes it. He liked it in the past. I have not. Mm. And there is actually like a funny, a fun fact about this. I had the DVD because I love this director. I used to love it. Uh, that is Julio Meden. And he did a movie that is like basically a sex tape of two girls. That is called A, a Room in Rome, I think. But in any case, the DVD, I don't know if you can see it, but you can see the part of the nipple. Oh, Spain is so scandalous. But the cover, the poster in the States, censored that. Of course they did. We're all Puritans here, all of us. Nipples yep. are sins. But you cannot even, and you can only see like the, 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 the round part. You cannot see like the, yeah, the nipple itself. Just the areola. Exactly, just the areola, yeah. Areolas don't cause bad thoughts, just the actual nipple part. Exactly. <laughs> okay, man. Anything else to say? Wash your hands. Wait for your vaccine. Exactly. Yeah, we're almost there, guys. Just hold in there to the five people that listen to this. Hey, thank you for listening. Bye. Until next time.